right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leaving Churchianity podcast, where we are striving to leave behind all of the baggage and man's traditions and false teachings that have crept in and taken over Christianity over the centuries, really, and take an honest look at the faith, minus all of that division from the, uh, from the Churchianity part. And today we want to ask the question, why are so many people leaving the Christian church? The numbers of people who've left in the last roughly 15 to 20 years is spiraling out of control. I mean, it really is spiraling out of control when you look at the numbers. But first of all, what do I mean by churchianity? Look, it's no secret that a lot of churches out there are bowing down to the culture and changing their message these days, right? I mean, this pretty much everybody knows that now. One of the great examples is evolution. And it's hard to believe that, but that's one of the main examples. I know it happened in uh, in, in the last church that I worked at. One of the pastors came in and started teaching this theistic evolution thing. There's a lot of churches in the world today who started teaching this theory of evolution that God used evolution to create everything. Okay, like I said, it's called theistic evolution. God using the process of evolution, which really confuses people because, look, the the book of Genesis doesn't allow for that. It doesn't allow for evolution in any way. The message is very clear that God created the heaven and the earth And everything that we see in seven literal days, not billions of years. But look, churches are afraid of the traction that this theory of evolution is getting in modern science. And they're afraid of this, well, I would say of so-called science. And so they're compromising on the Bible's message. And the more churches teach this, the more it shakes the faith of the people in the churches. Look, if you can't trust the first handful of chapters in the Bible, then why would you think you can trust the rest of it? I mean, you can't blame people for coming to that conclusion. And the Bible actually talks about this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. It says, O Timothy, keep that which was committed to your trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and quarrels, and positions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. I bet you didn't even know that that was in the Bible. Saying to Timothy in the churches that he's starting, watch out for this thing called, well, this so-called science it refers to. And one of the major trends we've been seeing in the Christian church over the last 30 years is people between the ages of roughly 15 and 35 just flat turning their backs on the Christian faith because they conclude that the stories in the Bible are simply too difficult to believe and therefore they cannot be true. They can't, not in their minds. For the majority of those people, the most difficult part of the Bible to believe, obviously, as we're seeing, is the story of creation. Really, the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. The first 11 chapters of the Bible have become the most hotly contested and disbelieved words in the Bible. In those opening chapters, we have the miraculous story of creation, how the world and everything that can be known came to be. 
It tells us where evil came from and why it's here. Also, why we have so many races and languages in this world. It's all contained in that portion of scripture. There's a real battle for the beginning going on in society right now. And strangely, the Christian church really hasn't stepped up to counter it by educating those under their care. And for the life of me, I got it. I, I just can't, I can't figure out why. Maybe they don't think it's serious. Maybe they don't want to put the time and effort into it. But by and large, the majority don't devote time and effort to these subjects. And it's a real shame because I would argue the vast majority of evidence is on the side of the scripture and it proves the truthfulness of the Bible. The current level of attack against the creation story in high school and college science classes has been ratcheted up greatly in the last 15 years. It's like an all out assault. And because the theory of evolution is being taught as a fact to the students with no alternatives, the majority of people believe it, not realizing it takes much more faith to believe in the impossible and, and I would say contradictory process of evolution, well, theory of evolution, than it does to believe that God created everything. It takes a lot more faith to believe in evolution. It really does take a lot more faith to believe that everything around us magically just popped into existence without a cause, every single thing around us, including our bodies, shows the characteristics of a designer. Yet we're told to believe there's no designer. No, 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 there's no designer. Every system in the known world is running on an extremely specific scientific laws that cannot be violated. Yet we're told, look, don't, don't pay attention to that. People don't realize that all the scientific laws that exist cannot be violated. And yet for evolution to be true, these laws absolutely must be violated. Christian apologists love to point out this fact because it really destroys the theory of evolution. Like for instance, the first and second laws of thermodynamics, simply they don't allow for evolution. These laws expose evolution to be a fairy tale. We live in a world of matter and energy and the scientific laws we observe operating around us dogmatically declare that matter and energy simply cannot come into existence from nothing. But teachers in the schools have become very good at teaching this theory as fact so well that people cannot believe that God actually created everything thousands of years ago rather than billions of years ago. I mean, do you realize that there is a mountain of evidence out there that shows really beyond any reasonable doubt that the earth cannot be billions of years old? It simply cannot be because this evidence would not exist. And I'm going to give you quite a bit of it, but it's important to realize that the vast majority of this evidence has been censored from the textbooks and from academia, including, and most people don't realize this, but including postgraduate and doctorate level academia. And obviously the news media for all of us, you know, lowly regular people, 
If you can control the information, you can control the mindset of humanity. And it's my firm belief that if they would just let all the evidence be freely known, be freely available to people, that the majority of those who have left the faith for this reason, they wouldn't have done so. And I believe they would come back to the faith and they would believe that the Bible is true because the evidence supports that. And you know what else would happen? The majority of people would realize how valuable they are and they'd realize that their lives have incredible meaning. Whereas evolution teaches you that you're an accident and you don't actually have meaning unless you generate your own meaning. I think that's going to change because technology is getting to the place where they can't really control the flow of information anymore. I mean, a simple YouTube channel or a podcast can reach up to 10 times the amount of people that a television show can, like CNN or MSNBC or whatever, because it's not regulated. It's not bought and paid for like the major news channels. So I want to put some of that censored information out there along with the evidences that we have for God. So you can know the rest of the story. And maybe if more people will get that information out and share this information freely, it will level the playing field and help people see that it really is scientifically sound to believe in God, as well as being the most logical conclusion that we can come to. If you base it on the actual evidences from the world around us about the only information taught in some public schools in this society today is in the context of a world religions class, sort of like a history class, if you will, on world world religions. It's taught that societies over time have used these mythologies as like a way of balancing their mental and emotional state. Not that there is a God. No, of course not. But the concept of many, many gods taught in various cultures over time is It's sort of a mental drug for some people because it balances them and it gives them a sense of meaning and stability. And therefore, a kind of universalism is embraced that says, you know, it's okay to believe in a God consciousness, but any God can be true to you if you believe it. And after all, everything leads to the same place because it's all proclaimed to be mythology like believing in Santa Claus. It doesn't hurt anybody. Maybe you've struggled with the thought before that, you know, there's so many people in the major world religions that how could they all possibly be wrong? Like your mind can't get there. Many people will say, if there is a God and God is supposed to be good, then why would he let all of these people believe a lie? It makes more sense to people that, As long as you believe in a a higher power and live a relatively good life, then you'll still make it to heaven. (laughs) Well, I would would ask, what heaven? Why are you borrowing the concept of heaven? So that's really all the thought that people that people put into it. Well, if I, you know, if I live, if I live good, then if there is something after this, good things will happen to me. But I want to ask you today to Think about that logically. Stop and think about that for a minute logically. All of these major gods or leaders of these world religions, like take take Buddha or Krishna or 
the Pope or Muhammad or Joseph Smith or Charles Taze Russell, Jesus, Brahma, um, Vishnu, Shiva. I mean, I can't remember them all. The list goes on and on and on. One fact is crystal clear. They all teach different things. Their messages contradict each other. Okay, the five most basic questions in life. You have origin, where did we come from? Identity, who are we? Meaning, why are we here? Morality, how should we live? And destiny, where are we going when we die? All of these different religions, they teach different messages about these things. They all teach different origins for life, different ideas of who we are, different paths or ways to live, much different conflicting views of why we're here, and they all teach differently about what happens after we die. And you know, one religion that I forgot to mention is evolution. Many people don't think of it that way, but trust me, evolution is a religion, and I'll prove that to you. It too attempts to answer those five questions and it is absolutely a faith-based religion. So if you think about it logically, since they all teach conflicting messages, these religions simply cannot all be right. Think about it logically. Logic requires only one or zero of these religions can be true. It's the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction is one of the most basic laws in classical logic. It simply states that something cannot be both true and not true at the same time when you're dealing with the same context. When it comes to the fundamental important topics, they all contradict each other. Many of these religions talk about Jesus. A lot of them will, will profess that Jesus was real, that he came, that he did a lot of these things that he claimed to do. But when it comes to who God is or who Jesus was or what happens after you die or how do you obtain eternal life, all of these questions, these religions contradict each other on these topics. So they simply cannot be true. Either one of them is true or none of them are true. They're all wrong. And it's amazing how offended people get when you bring up this simple fact. Well, why are they getting so offended? I wish we could just take the emotion out of it. No one gets offended when you bring up math, right? I mean, for, for example, you say one plus one can only equal two. And we would agree. It can't equal five. It can't equal seven or 12 or 109. Just like two plus two can only equal four. Only four is the correct answer. And all other answers are therefore incorrect, right? I mean, that's just simple logic. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we hate the other numbers, just like we don't hate people from other religions. Not at all. So just think of it like math, okay? So if Islam is right, then all other religions have to be wrong. If Buddhism is right, then all other religions, including Christianity, must therefore be false. If Hinduism is right, and there really are millions of gods like the Hindus say, 
What does that say about Christianity? Christianity must be false if Hinduism is true because Christianity claims to be exclusive. It claims that everything else is false. So by the same token, if Christianity is true, then all other religions must be false. Why? Because of the claims of exclusivity that the Bible makes. Now that doesn't mean that other religions can't teach true things or don't teach anything that's true. That doesn't mean that. Or that they aren't right about anything. No no one is saying that. Even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? But when it comes to the core essential meaningful truths, like who God is and what the meaning of life is and what happens after we die, all of these world religions simply cannot be right because they disagree with each other. They don't just disagree. They strongly disagree. They strongly conflict each other's messages. So logic and common sense demand that they cannot all be correct. So we have to compare them with that in mind to evaluate which one is right, if any. And a good place to start is with the existence of God. The question, does God exist? Does a God being exist? And there are a lot of good evidences, I would say, that prove that there is a God to prove as much as we can. And we will go, we'll go into those in future episodes. In fact, in the next episode, I'm going to dump out just a number of different evidences that prove the conclusion that there must be a God, that for there to not be a God is impossible. Clear evidence for the existence of God. But for now, a good place to start is with the universe. All right. God must exist because the universe exists. We're here. It's here. We experience it. We touch it. It's made up of consistent, observable, testable stuff. You know, science calls it matter and energy. We have stuff. And the laws of physics simply don't allow for matter and energy to come into existence from nothing. Okay, all scientists on earth agree on that fact. The fact that matter and energy cannot come into existence from nothing. That is impossible. That's the very first law of thermodynamics. The universe and the world around us clearly has all the signs of a designer. A very, very intelligent and intricate designer, I would say. So logically, there has to be a God. There has to be a designer who created these things, who operates outside the laws of physics. It's the only plausible conclusion that we can make. There has to be a God because of the complexity and the order and the design in the universe. You cannot have complexity and order and design without there being a designer. It's impossible. It's illogical. But people don't think about that. You can't say that it's more logical to believe that no designer created all of the unbelievably intricate design that we see around us. You don't walk up to a painting like, you know, the famous painting, the Mona Lisa. You don't walk up to that and conclude, you know, wow, that must have happened on its own accidentally. Like you can't, you don't come to that conclusion. You wouldn't walk up to an intricately constructed building in the woods out in the middle of nowhere with, let's say, 
a water wheel turning in a stream flowing by it and conclude, wow, that's an amazing building that nobody built. And that big wheel thing that's being spun by the water, which is turning this intricately designed motor looking thing that's producing electricity. That's, that's an amazing result that absolutely nobody or no force at all created, right? I mean, think about it just logically. You don't stand there and say, well, it's amazing that all this stuff evolved into this irreducibly complex, extremely productive machine over millions of years. It's just, it's illogical to see the clear evidences of a designer and conclude there must have been no designer. So why do people conclude that there is no God or no designer? I would argue because they just don't want there to be a God. They don't like the thought of someone being in charge of an ultimate authority figure. But we look around us and we see an incredibly complex world. We see so many beings and systems that are operating in perfect unison that, like I said, are irreducibly complex. It demands that there must be a God, a creator, if you look at it logically. The whole point is, it's more logical to believe in a God than it is to refuse to believe in a God. So if you believe in a God, you can rest assured that logic is on your side. But the next question comes up, since there must be a designer or a God, is this a personal knowable God or is this like a pantheistic type God force that just you know, exists inside of everything like Star Wars teaches or like the East, Eastern religions teach. Well, I would argue that it can't be pantheistic because pantheism breaks down when you really stop and examine it logically. See, I'm trying to use logic and just keep emotions out of it because emotions cloud your thinking. When it comes to a pantheistic worldview, think about this. Who decides what good and evil are in that worldview? Who determines right or wrong? Who defines what moral means? If, a, if plants and animals and humans are all equal, then why is it immoral for one human to kill another human? But it's not immoral for a lion to kill a gazelle. You see the contradiction? Or why is it not immoral for a human to kill a plant? How can you have moral right and wrong if there is no moral God, no creator or determiner of morality? Again, atheism and evolution have no answers for this. Now, a lot of people will try to get out of it by saying, well, you know, it's, it's the consensus of society that determines right and wrong. They'll say most people simply agree on what wrong is. Really? Okay, if that's true, then any group can determine right or wrong. If there's enough people believing it, right? I don't know what this magical number is, but that would be the conclusion. Well, then were the Nazis wrong? Think about that logically. There would be no reason for you to conclude that Hitler and the Nazis were wrong for hating and killing so many Jews, because after all, right, they all believed that it was right to do that. So you have millions of people believing 
that it was a good thing at the time. But does that make them right? I would say no, of course not. Of course it doesn't make them right. So what makes them wrong? See, here's the problem with evolutionist belief. So often people want to borrow morality from God and then say that the concept of God is false and immoral. You can't, you can't borrow from God to prove that God doesn't exist. Okay, that's, that's a self-defeating argument. So this question stands tall. If there is no God, then where do we get universal right and wrong from? If you really stop and think about it, there is no answer. Morality is another proof that a creator, a God, exists. There's also no answer to the question, where does consciousness come from? See, in thinking through these questions, we start to see that logic concludes there simply has to be a God. Even though these are very elementary things, I, I admit that, and I, but I hope it's helpful for you to think through these things and to see that to believe in a God is not the sign of a weak mind. People will tell you that, but it's not the sign of a weak mind. It's the sign of a logical mind, and it's in agreement with the evidences in the world around us. Okay, let's, let's jump to another question right quick before we finish up here. What about reincarnation? Okay, a lot of Eastern religions believe in this reincarnation and karma thing. Well, again, how can you have karma without a God? See, again, this is the same as morality. Where do you get right and wrong from? If you really stop and think about it honestly, it's illogical. Okay, how can you reincarnate up the ladder, the you know mythological ladder, or down the ladder, based on the morality of your life choices, if there is no objective standard of morality, like we discussed a minute ago. Okay, who determines the meaning of right and wrong in that scenario? For example, if you have something that someone else wants, okay, then why would it be wrong for that person to come and take it from you? Right? Why? Or as in the animal kingdom, why would it be wrong for that person to kill you and take the things that you have? You see, if you take God out of the equation, what you end up with, quickly end up with, I would say, is anarchy and chaos. When you take God out of that equation, that's the only thing left. Now, evolution says we're nothing but animals, but this incredible sense of morality is one of the things that sets us apart from the animal kingdom. We all have an inner sense of right and wrong that's pretty much universal across mankind. We all, we all agree, for instance, that it's wrong to murder, right? We do. We all agree that it's wrong to steal, that it's wrong to lie. We agree that it's a good, it's a good thing to help people who are in need. It's a good thing to be kind to others and to show love and compassion. Okay, but where did all that morality come from? If you're going to use it as an ultimate fixed measuring stick, which is what people do, then how do you justify that morality is right if you maintain that there is no God? You see, when you ask people this question, it, it's just they fold like a house of cards because there is no answer for that. Maybe you've never thought about that before, but it's a pretty strong proof 
that we all came from a God, from a designer who built us with this moral code. I would argue his moral code. All right, it, it's a sign or a signature of the creator. Think about this. If evolution is true and everything is evolving for its own, like they say, survival or its own desires, then we would not have universal right and wrong. Morality would be really as varied and different as every species and plant and animal on the planet. But that's not what we find. We find the invisible fingerprint or coding of morality in every person of every culture on the earth with only slight variations, which lends weight to the message of the Bible because the Bible claims all of this to be true. And I would argue there must be one creator, designer, or God who himself sets the standard of right and wrong. Again, it's the most logical conclusion to come to. And I'm trying to look at this from a, a non-emotional point of view. So the question then becomes, okay, so then who is this God? Do you realize how many religions there are in this world? Is it the God of the Bible as taught by Jesus Christ? Is it Allah as taught by Muhammad? Is it Ahura Mazda as, of Zoroism as taught by their prophet uh, Zarathustra? By the way, they claim to be one of the oldest monotheistic religions. Or is it Buddhism or Confucianism? Is it Shinto? I mean, who is right? The list goes on and on and on. Well, I would argue that the Bible is right, that it is the truth. And over the next few episodes, I'm going to dump out a ton of evidence for you to think about and examine along these lines. Things you unfortunately don't hear taught in churchianity these days, but that you should have heard. I believe you should have heard. You should hear all the evidence. Because if you know these verifiable facts, I believe it strengthens your faith tremendously and it removes a lot of the doubts and skepticisms that people struggle with when it comes to this believing the Bible as historically accurate, as actually being true. When you get all the facts, boy, that doubt, that skepticism just seems to just fade away. And I really wish more churches and publications would put this information out there because it would help so many people who lose their faith because they only have, they only get one-sided biased information and you almost can't blame them. Also, this information really helps you defend your faith with other people. And that's one thing that Christians seem to be very weak at doing. But remember, okay, if the Bible's message is proven true, okay, then by default, that means all other religions out there are false, right? Because they strongly conflict with the message of Scripture. They're mutually exclusive. They're, they're, they're diametrically opposed to each other, which, I mean, it means the majority of people out there are following false religious systems that leave them on a terrible path in a terrible predicament because they're separated from God, which is a really hard fact to come to grips with, to think that, that millions or billions of people are wrong. But look, like, like we said before, 
2 plus 2 equals 4. And if 2 plus 2 equals 4, then it doesn't matter if billions of people think that it equals 13. Okay, the number of people who believe something does not make it true. They're still, they're misled. They're deceived about it. And this topic affects really everything in your life, even your daily happiness and motivations. I mean, the real tragedy is that so many people have been led astray about the five most basic questions in life because of all the lies that society has accumulated over the centuries. And churches are accumulating a lot of these because so many truths have been censored from public knowledge because at the core of people's beliefs, many people just flat don't want there to be a God. Okay, They don't want the accountability that comes with that because they don't trust it's actually good for them. So they choose to create a mindset that gives their desires and their impulses freedom to operate unhindered. Desires that ultimately hurt them, and they know that, that, that it hurts them, but they choose that over meaning and purpose in life. It, it's, just, it's a head-scratcher. So consequently, in our societies, so many things get censored from the science books and the history books, from the news media, and obviously social media apps as well, to further promote that mindset that removes purpose. It, rem- it, may, it may up the voting poll on a certain side, but it removes purpose. It removes the message that each person was made by God and has incredible value and meaning and can have the hope of eternal life. And it doesn't have to be that way. That, that, that's why I want to push this information out there in a shareable way. And I think more people should. If we dump out all these facts and arguments, we'll be citing plenty of historical and scientific records that anybody can look up if they put in the effort to do it. They can verify these things if they want to. And if you think you know someone who might find some of these things interesting, then you can simply text them that episode. And I believe facts and evidence changes people's belief. And God left us a whole planet of facts and evidence. He's not hiding himself in the world around us. As the Bible says, the nature declares the glory of God. And I believe if people would just talk more about this openly and discuss these things with people that they know, then more people can make wiser decisions, more informed decisions. And we can get a, we can, start fighting back and get rid of a lot of this misinformation and division that has crept into the church and that we have in this world and we can have more unity with each other. Well, next episode, we'll ask the question, can it be proven adequately? Okay. From archeology, span from science, the scientific evidence around us, from physics, from everything around us, that there truly is a God. Like what is the actual evidence? using the actual physical world around us. Does the physical world we live on contain proofs that the message of the Bible really is true? I say yes, absolutely. Let me ask you, do you have the answers for that question? Just right off the bat, like right now. What would be your answer if your kids ask you that, or your friends, or your coworkers, or you have family members that ask you, okay, prove to me that God exists. What would, what would be your response? Well, we're going to look at some good answers to give them next time 
on the Leaving Churchianity podcast. So until next time, may God open your eyes to the evidences around you and reveal himself to you.